This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp, reporting that legislative session or no legislative session, Florida politics is making some national news. I've taken it. I've had the booster. Many politicians, I watched a couple of politicians be interviewed, and one of the questions was, did you get the booster? Because they had the vaccine. And they, oh, they're answering it like, in other words, the answer is yes, but they don't want to say it. Because they're gutless. you got to say it. Whether you had it or not, say it. That was Donald Trump in an interview on the Writer Than Right One America News Network, OAN, talking about what everyone quickly decided was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Why? Well, it might be this interview DeSantis did with Fox Business host Maria Bartiromo in December. Have you gotten the booster? So uh, I've done whatever I did, the the normal shot. And, you know, that at the end of the day is people's individual decisions about what they want to do. In a statement, the governor's press secretary, Christina Pushaw, told CNN, President Trump did not mention Governor DeSantis in that interview. So I wouldn't make any assumptions. But plenty of people are. As all this was breaking, the governor himself was in Bonita Springs to announce a $16.8 million block grant to improve stormwater infrastructure that was damaged during Hurricane Irma back in 2017. The governor also took questions, and the last one got some ears to perk up. It was about a bill filed on the opening day of the legislative session that seeks to ban abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy, with exceptions in cases of serious medical emergencies for the mother or fatal fetal abnormalities. I have not seen that particular one, but I, I, obviously I'm supportive of, of 15 weeks. I mean, I think that that's, uh, that that's very uh, reasonable and, and I think that's very consistent with, um, you know, with, being, uh, with being supportive of, of protecting life. So uh, we'll, we'll work with them as they kind of get through that process. But I think that, um, I, I think that that'll, be, that'll be something that we will be able to sign. And, uh, and I think a lot of people will be very happy with that. Floridians for Reproductive Freedom, which advocates for abortion rights, urged legislative leaders yesterday afternoon to preserve abortion rights. Representative Anna Escamani of Orlando laid out the battle lines over the proposed abortion legislation. It's not a, even a culture war issue. It is health care. Abortion is health care. So how dare you strip away our rights in this new piece of policy, which is a direct assault on the protection established under Roe v. Wade. And if Roe were overturned, and if this bill were to become law, if you needed to access an abortion beyond 15 weeks, the closest state for you is North Carolina. State Attorney General Ashley Moody held a news conference outside her office Wednesday to talk about a new initiative in the fight against human trafficking. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And the new initiative, the 100% Club, aims to recruit businesses to train employees on how to recognize human trafficking and report it. You could hear emotion in the Attorney General's voice as she talked about human trafficking. Many of you know I have previously served as a federal prosecutor. I've served as a judge for over a decade. I can tell you the types of crimes that we have to deal with in Florida are, are, are shocking They are difficult to address. I know they take their toll on law enforcement, as you can imagine, some of these circumstances. But more than those roles and more than my experience in those roles, I am also a mother, a mother of a young child. And the 
what you hear in my voice and what you hear from the folks here with me, our passion for this cause comes from what we have seen take place within our state and around the world in terms of how it affects children, how it can affect children. Specifically within cases within my office, we've seen children lured from their homes into an unconscionable, evil situation. And we have to continuously examine how we can be better, how we can do more, how we can tweak our laws, how we can come up with innovative strategic solutions. And we will, and we pledge that to you. Today, AARP Florida will join caregivers, senior care advocates, and members of the Florida legislature, Representative Guillermo Smith and Senator Audrey Gibson, to support new legislation to require greater financial accountability and transparency from nursing homes. The legislation will also require nursing homes to spend at least 75% of Medicaid funds on direct patient care. AARP Associate State Director for Advocacy Zane Smith will be at today's event, and Sunrise asked her to explain why a requirement is needed to make sure nursing homes spend Medicaid money on the people they are being paid to take care of. Sure. So I think you're hitting the crux of an issue that uh, most of us are aware of that deal with this on a day-to-day basis, but I think the best way to understand it is essentially that 75% of Medicaid funds that obviously come from taxpayer dollars are paid to nursing home facilities in Florida. And so when you have a budget of 75% coming in that's taxpayer money, it's important to know how that money is actually being spent. And how is it being spent? You must have some idea. Well, so that's part of the issue. We don't know. Um, Right now, nursing homes are not necessarily required to tell us how the Medicaid funds are being spent. And so that's why we're getting behind two different bills that would actually create that requirement. And Florida nursing homes that receive Medicaid funding would now have to be more transparent about how they're spending taxpayer dollars. I thought that the way Medicaid worked, that any business operation, let's say a an insurance company that handles Medicaid for the state of Florida has to show in no uncertain terms where that money goes or it has to go back to the feds. Is that not true for nursing homes? No, it is true. They have to show that they spent it, but it's not necessarily how it was spent. And so that's why this medical loss ratio that we're looking for would say that these Medicaid funds, 75% of them will have to go to patient care. We're trying to say, this is how they need to be spent, and we need to see how you're spending them. I've seen all sorts of things during hurricanes, uh, nursing homes where people were left uh, in no air conditioning, no power, and nobody told anybody they were there. During the pandemic, we have just seen all sorts of horror stories in terms of the care of people in in nursing homes. Is this what's going to push bills like HB 1237 and SB 1596 through the legislature this session? Well, I think so. You know, I think there have always been issues with nursing homes in Florida. And unfortunately, what the pandemic did was expose those in a very significant way. And it not only exposed it, but then it exacerbated the problems that were pre-existing prior to COVID-19 hitting. And so 
if it takes a pandemic and this exposure to get legislation moving that will hopefully not only give our elected officials a better picture of what is actually happening, but then how to better address it, you know, we'll take it. Um, you know, we've long, ARP has long said that nursing home accountability and transparency is key into ensuring quality of care for its residents are, are, is happening in facilities. And this is, I think, that step that we're going to need to make sure our nursing home residents, the most vulnerable Floridians, are getting the quality of care they deserve. So these bills would impose some nursing home accountability. You're getting this money. How exactly is being it's is it being spent? And I, the way I, I read it, it also requires that these Medicaid funds be spent on providing the care for which it's intended. That would be, I'm assuming, patient care directly? Yes, that's what we often refer to as direct care. So that is the workforce, the staff that are in these facilities that are directly handling the residents' residents' needs, whether it be bringing them a glass of water to changing their bandages to addressing more significant health issues. Um, if we have an underpaid workforce in our nursing homes or an over-stressed workforce, cracks will turn into massive holes if that's not addressed. And so if we in this legislation are able to achieve the requirement that 75% of the Medicaid funds are used for direct care, that's once again circling back to we have better quality of care for the residents in these facilities. We all get old. Some plan, some don't. Medicaid, of course, um, for those who were incapable of you know, setting aside a certain amount to plan for, you know, their later years where they might need, you know, long-term care and be in a facility like that. Medicare is incredibly important. I guess the question to me is, who who would fight you on this? Well, to be quite frank, the, the for-profit nursing home industry, that's who's going to fight. Because part of this, this directive that 75% of Medicaid funds be directed toward the actual patient care also comes with the caveat that only certain percentage, 15% of these funds could be used toward salaries for the executives and management. And I think that opens up the door to some other issues that a recent report has exposed quite significantly here in Florida is that the for-profit nursing home industry is created in a way that makes it very difficult to track who owns what, who has a conflict with certain contracting agencies, and the exorbitant salaries that are being paid to management and hire, while the workers, the people that are in the facilities actually caring for the residents, often go underpaid, have very little benefits, and have to work two or three jobs themselves just to to live day to day. Um, So... The, the opposition will come from the nursing home industry itself, the for-profit, to be specific. Man, what do you say to me, anybody else who is eventually going to or has, is already dealing with themselves in potential long-term care or a relative in potential long-term care? I mean, these bills are up for consideration this legislative session in Tallahassee. Uh, they they haven't they haven't passed. And as we talked earlier, it, it, it took a lot of 
awful things to start happening to perhaps, you know, push this along. What do you say to people who are dealing with this situation now? How do they navigate it if people like AARP don't know who's running a place? You're hitting the nail on the head, and it's a very tough question to answer, but I will do my best to to give a few takeaways, perhaps. First of all, if someone is in the situation currently, they have a loved one or them, they are in it themselves, ask questions. You have a right to know as a resident, as a patient of a facility, certain aspects of the care, of the operation, of who you're dealing with. So ask questions and be persistent. Um, if you're not currently in the situation, but obviously, like you said, we all age. We all have a future where we may have to go into a nursing home. Know before you go. Ask the important questions. How how much is staff do you have? What's your patient-to-staff ratio? What are your required minimum hours of nursing for the patient? Um, there's some pretty critical issues that as a person facing this potentially or having a loved one, shop around. Every facility is different. And so it doesn't hurt to ask, but be your own best advocate. And then of course, ARP is a huge supporter of aging in place, aging where you live. And, you know, based on a lot of information and surveys and reports and studies that we've commissioned and been a part of, most people want to be able to live their lives in their homes. Now, is it possible for everyone? No. But for those that want to, do your best now to plan for your future. Um, That would be my best advice at this time. And good advice it is. How do you feel going in, in terms of chances for these bills? You know, anybody that's dealt with legislation, sometimes you can hit the iron on the first try and it passes, it makes it to the governor's desk, it's signed and it becomes law. Other times it can take years um, with fights in between trying to get something passed. You know, I feel pretty confident that both Republicans and Democrats here in Tallahassee are taking note of how the nursing home industry has been operating over the past few years. I think there's definitely a movement amongst many of our elected officials and leaders that they want to address the nursing home issues. And we don't always know what the picture looks like because there's lack of data, lack of accountability, lack of transparency. And so You know, I think a lot of elected officials see this as an opportunity to get that data so then they can make the further policy decisions on an informed basis, not based on anecdotal or assumptions. Um, So we're hopeful that this passes and could definitely use the support of people calling their elected officials and telling them, we need you to support this legislation because this is going to ensure patient safety, quality of care, and that we know what the heck nursing homes are doing here in Florida. Zane Smith, she's the Associate State Director for Advocacy with AARP. Thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. Here's more of what's happening in Florida politics today. The House Early Learning and Elementary Education Subcommittee will consider a bill that would curb the use of physical restraint techniques on K-12 students. A bill that would relax rules preventing telehealth providers from prescribing controlled substances will go before the House Professions and Public Health Subcommittee. The Senate Rules Committee will take up a bill that would require any future emergency lockdown or shutdown orders to apply equally across businesses and religious institutions. 
and a bill that would establish strawberry shortcake as the state's designated dessert will go before the Senate Agriculture Committee today, prompting a tweet we saw warning about the influence of big dessert. On the campaign trail, Florida Agriculture Commissioner and Democratic candidate for Governor Nikki Freed will be in Jacksonville today to meet with black female business owners. And her primary opponent, Charlie Crist, will join a group of local pastors from across the Tampa Bay area at a press conference to announce the newly formed Faith Leaders for Christ Coalition. And finally, on this day in 1974, the Miami Dolphins won their second straight Super Bowl, beating the Minnesota Vikings 24-7 in Super Bowl VIII. The game marked the Dolphins' third straight Super Bowl appearance. They lost their first in 1972 to Dallas and won their second in 1973 to cap the only perfect season by an NFL team. Now, the Dolphins would make numerous playoff appearances over the next two decades and go to two more Super Bowls in the 1980s, but that 1974 game remains their last Super Bowl win. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.